Raise your hand if you say it's hard to focus during the sermon. Hey now. <laughs> Easy now. It's hard for me to focus too when you guys are popping chips and spilling your coffee on the table. And the guy that pulled the night shift, somebody bump him right now. When, you notice when people start to sleep at Church on the Rock, I start preaching a little louder and I come over in the section that they're at. Hey guys, how many say it's hard to focus? It's hard to focus, um, believe it or not. We plan to do that today because that's the name of this sermon is getting rid of distractions. If you want to pull your insert out, you can take a look at that. We're going to talk about letting go. We're doing sermon series about traveling light. We need to let go of some stuff. Last week we preached about letting go of some stuff. You know, it's pretty amazing um, an individual in our church who is preaching on letting go of stuff. I get a deal on my text saying, hey, I got a, about a $40,000 car that's been sitting in my garage that I'd like to raffle to the church. It's just sitting there. So that's an instance of how we can get rid of some stuff and, and put things into where it really matters. So last week, that's what we talked about. Today, I'm going to be talking about getting rid of distractions. Distraction actually comes from a Latin word back in the 1590s, and it means to pull apart, to pull apart or to separate. It's drawing the mind in all these different directions. In fact, in James chapter 1, the Bible even says that a double-minded, a mind that's pulled in all different directions and separated, the Bible says that a double-minded, everybody say double-minded, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So if we want some stability, we need to get Get our minds off, get our minds and our attention off what matters the most, off of where we're the most effective, and off onto our forward progression. Sorry, I think I actually said that backwards. But the enemy is here that he's going to try to divide and to take that away from us. He'll do whatever he can to get our attention or our focus off. Focus and attention. You might want to write this down. Focus and attention. To me, they're jealous. Neither of them want to be shared. And every time we permit those to be shared, focus and attention, when we permit that, we can be forfeiting maybe God's best or something that's better for you. Instead of trying to be a superhero, we need to embrace these limitations and give yourself a chance that we can deliver the absolute best that we can in life. And rather than allowing ourselves to be distracted by the bells and the whistle and stuff happening on around us in society, I want to dare you today and challenge you to be fully absorbed and engaged in what God's doing in your life where you kind of get in what I call that flow state. You know, I want you to write this down. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can just distract you. We always look at sometimes the devil's out to destroy me. Well, he doesn't. Both are accomplished. If he can distract you, if he can distract you, then he can neutralize you. And then you automatically self-destruct by yourself. There's an amazing story that's in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn your Bibles there or look, look up on the screen, an amazing story where Jesus was talking to his disciples when they were on their way. He came to a village where there was a woman named Martha and she opened up her home to him, okay? She opened up her home to him, to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary. And Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, 
listening to and holding on to everything that Jesus was saying. But Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And I want you to think about that. If Jesus were coming to your house, how many of you would say, I would be like Martha? It would be hard for me to sit at Jesus' feet and listen because somebody's got to do the behind-the-scenes stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? So it's not that Martha was doing anything really bad because she wanted everything to be just right. She wanted the food prep to be there, the house, the house clean, the table set with the best hardware, the candles lit, kind of like we did for Thanksgiving, the room smelling perfect, pulling out the best towels and putting them in the bathroom. So, so Martha just wanted to be a great host. She just wanted to serve and make it the most amazing event for Jesus when he came to her home. You know, when we have company, oh my gosh, I get in so much trouble when we have company. Uh, because my wife is like a little tense when she knows that everybody's coming around to our house. I like have to, how many husbands do you have to walk the straight and narrow big time? When a lot of company are coming over to the house, I get in so much trouble when company's coming to the house. So we can kind of understand that. But then look at this. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you even care? I love how the word is so today. Lord, don't you even care that my sister, that no good rotten, has left me to do all this work by myself? Come on, Lord. Tell her to help me. You know, Martha gets this bad rep, but I want to thank this bad rep, but I actually want to thank God for the Marthas. Because it wasn't for the Marthas, the bills wouldn't be paid. There wouldn't be groceries in the cupboards. Uh, there wouldn't be uh, lights on or heat on because the bills wouldn't be paid. There wouldn't be any Christmas presents under the tree that we all want to open up. So thank God. Somebody say, thank God for the Marthas. Amen. If it were up to the Marys, if it were up to the Marys, there wouldn't be any food in the house. There wouldn't be any presents under the tree, and we would be cold with no heat on because the bill wasn't paid. But so I, I, I think that we need to notice that Mary, Martha gets this bad rep, and we need to see that today because Jesus gave an interesting expression coming up right here. He, so, he, he, he did show such great love to Martha. We always think about Mary at his feet. Oh, she's worshiping Jesus. What's wrong with you, Martha? But Jesus had an interesting expression of love to her. He said, Martha, 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 Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried. You are worried about, you are worried and upset or distracted about so many things. But few things are actually, everybody say needed. Few things, guys, this is a key verse. Martha, Martha. You're just worried and upset about so many things that really don't even matter. Few things are needed that are really important. Few things, or indeed only one thing. And Mary has chosen what is better. I want you to think about that. She chose what is better. Martha, Martha, you know, you have a good heart. You're a great worker. Your motives are pure. Your heart's in the right place. You have good intentions. But this is a distraction in your life that God has something better for you to do. I remember my friend from Wyoming at the homeless mission I worked at. He said, Brian, as a young man in your 20s, the first thing you got to do is decide the difference between a, a good work and a righteous work. That's why every day when I pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want makes me lie down, he crashes, leads me, restores my soul, leads me in the path 
that's right. So being led in the path is right, that's right for you is when you're not getting caught up in all this good stuff. Instead, you're staying on the righteous path or the best path. So I want us to really think about that, and, and I want you to take a second where that even absorbs in us a little bit. There's the righteous thing, and then there's the good thing. You know, even in another place in Scripture, Jesus even said this. How many think it's, it's great to feed the poor? In fact, Church on the Rock, thank you for feeding the poor. Many of you went down to Rockford this week in, that, in Pastor Chim's church that we're helping and, and brought food and, and went there to serve this past week in, in that inner city's church that's an extension of this church. It's great to feed the poor. You know, Jesus said, uh, uh, um, the poor will always be with you. It's great to feed the poor. But then he said, but the better thing is to come and get at my feet. Guys, there's always a good thing, but what's the best thing? Distractions can keep us from our best. Uh, we're surrounded in this world and, and that everything gets our attention. I mean, we get phone alerts, email texts. Oh, I just got a calendar reminder. Cool, someone liked my post. A reminder, oh, I got to pick up my kids, go by the store, and I'm behind on social media. I need to catch up. I got so many people commenting. Shoot, we got to do Christmas practice, uh, Christmas shopping, soccer practice, the Christmas party practice. Man, we got a work party. Got to go to dance class. Oh, we got to have time to cook. Maybe we just need to run through McDonald's and just grab something. What are we going to do for food tonight? Oh, and I got, to take, I got to take my son to the doctor today. I've got to answer that text. Oh, man, I wonder why I haven't answered. I bet people's going to wonder why I haven't answered. Did I answer the right thing? I wonder if they took right what I answered. Do I fit in school? Do I not fit in school? Do these clothes look right? Did I act right? Do people like me? Do they not need me? Do I need to do my homework? Or do I want to watch Netflix? There's so many. Do I want to stay intent on what I'm supposed to be doing or do I want to hang out with my friends? Distraction, distractions distractions and here's what jesus said martha martha just put your name in there martha martha you're worried and upset about so many things but few things really matter indeed only one and mary has saw what really matters is jesus i want you to write this down the most difficult choices in life the most difficult choices in life are not between good and bad, but between good and best. The most important choices aren't between good and bad. It's between good and, and, and best. Remember, that if the enemy can't destroy you, he'll distract you from, giving you, from, from you giving your time, your talent, your attention to things that life that really matter for you, that honor God, your family, and that really are making an eternal difference. So what do we do about this? Let's get into what do we do about it. Number one, we have to diminish distractions. That's your filling in your insert. Diminish distractions. And what that means is I want to distance myself from that which would tempt me or cause me to be led away from where I need to be. I like the directness of Paul in his letter to the church in Corinth. He's actually talking about a relational setting. But I want you to slightly take this scripture in a different context when he says this. Please put this one on the screen. It's pretty powerful. 1 Corinthians 7.35 says this. I am saying this for your benefit. Is it up there? Look at that. I'm saying this for your benefit. Not to place restrictions on you. 
or to tell you, slap your hands if you're on your cell phone, slap your hands if you're watching Netflix. That's not what I'm saying today, because those aren't bad things. He said, I'm not saying this to make legalism or put restrictions on you. I want you to do what will, ever, what will help you serve the Lord the best. Look at that for a minute. What will help you, whatever will help you serve the Lord best with a few distractions as possible. Everything in this world and everything in hell is bent on keeping us distracted on things that don't allow us to be the best that we can be. Brothers and sisters, I don't want us to accept average or mundane or normal or status quo. I want us to accept God's best for us. I want us to focus on the things that God wants to do in us and around us that really help serve his purpose and your family and his will in this earth. What's the number one? I was thinking about this. What's the number one distraction? Not a bad thing, but not used properly. It's the best thing for you in reaching your God-given potential. I would have to say your phones. But just so you know, I'm not crazy. How many remember, you guys, let's date ourselves. How many when we thought the internet was from hell? And if not used, we're, anybody who goes on the internet, you're going to hell. And blah, 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 blah. You always got that through church. I mean, they'll... Hey, phones aren't bad. I'm not saying phones are bad. This little device, although not a bad thing, it's only been around for a couple decades. And although we made it 7,000 years without it, many people have an anxiety attack if they're not, hey, where's my phone? Hey, anybody see my phone? I mean, we'll drive back. I mean, we'll leave the kid, but we'll drive back for our phone. Are you all with me? I mean, where's my phone? Anybody see my phone? The average person can't go 10 minutes without looking at it, without checking this device. Now, listen to me. I'm the average guy. I, I'm not throwing stones at you. I, I'm probably less than 10, okay? Okay, but think about this. If you wonder why you're not as productive if you want to be, if you wonder why relations aren't as intimate as you want them to be, when your wife's pouring her heart out to you and you're like, hold on a second, let me get this text. What was that, dear? If you're wondering why it's the intimacy not, the discussion didn't go like you thought it should. Come on. If you're wondering why your relationship with God suffers, brothers and sisters, if we're allowing this device to get in between our God, our family, our work, to where we're looking at this, guys, we can't interrupt everything and look at this every 10 minutes. Let's look in the eyes of somebody that we love and somebody we want to pour in our heart out. Let's don't say, wait a minute, Jesus, let me take this call or answer this text. Or to your child. Come on, guys. Come on, Brian. Could it be that being distracted every 10 minutes is the issue? Social media. Average person spends two hours a day on social media. If you spend two hours when you're young like me, when you're young like me, I was trying to think when people start social media, when you get young like me, somebody calculated out on a research I was doing, they said, seven years of your life are sent scrolling, are sent making something bigger, are sent being upset that you weren't liked or not in appreciating the, that, that, that you always 
comment on everybody's picture and they never comment on you. And so you're aggravated. You're rejected. You're upset. Seven years. Seven years. Seven years to the slavery of social media. Come on. Come on. Seven years. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give seven years to scrolling and tapping and looking. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. You're not going to hell. You're not going to hell. Not bad, but maybe not best. My life, I would write this down if you, Craig Groeschel said this. My life is too valuable. My calling is too great. And my God is too good to waste my life and be distracted by things that simply do not matter not bad not even evil not even sinful not even from the pit of hell martha martha church person church person brian brian you're worried and upset about so many things but few things are needed indeed only one thing and that one thing is me I was even thinking of the Garden of Eden when I was talking to my son. Notice that, hey, Garden of Eden, you're given free will. You're given choice. You can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat of this one. God didn't want a bunch of puppets to say, bow to me, love me now, give me a hug now. He didn't want a program robot. He wants people that love him because they want to love him. There was free will in the garden. When everything was done at each day that God created, he said, it is good. It is good. Did he not? But it is perfect. Good didn't even cut it. Good didn't cut it. They wanted more than good. Well, that apple can give us. We always want something we don't have. There's nothing in this world. There's nothing that could satisfy your craving than the Lord Jesus Christ. The perfect thing in the garden was not all the surroundings and all the beauty of paradise, but what made life perfect was walking with Christ and walking with God in the cool of the day. So many of you are searching. So many of you are longing for what life's all about. You need to diminish distractions. And quit running after those things that don't pay and that don't satisfy and that do not help. You can't have enough money. You can't have enough toys. You can't have enough friends. You can't have enough stuff. Paradise, Adam and Eve had. But perfection is when you're at Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet. I want to minimize my distractions. I I want to distance myself from anything that is not best for me. Write that down. I want to minimize my distractions. What's distracting you? I want to minimize that. I want to distance myself of things that aren't best for me. Maybe it needs to be deleting some apps on your phone, canceling Netflix or unplug the Xbox. Definitely don't take your phone to your prayer closet. 
And if I was you, I wouldn't take it on a date. Me and my wife leave them. We don't sit and look at our phones on dates. Come on, give people more. Give people more. Not bad, but not good. If the phone is, noise cancellation. There needs to be some noise cancellation of voices in your life. You need to look at the people that circle you, and if they aren't any good, get rid of them. I'm telling you. You need to look at people, and if they're not good for you, bad friends, Bible says bad friends corrupt and make bad morals. Walk with the wise, you become wise. Walk with fools, you become a fool. Four out of five friends are fools. You're fooled for being with them. Some of you are dating a distraction. Stand up, Giselle. You two stand up. You two stand up. Guys, I want to tell you something. Every week when I see these two, they are so on fire for God. And I'm not sure the brother, if church was even something. Did you grow up in church? Or is this all new for you? He is so hungry for God. This, this, this union has actually made it better for him. Hey, I want to tell you something. You guys can sit down. I, I bet they pray together. I bet they read the word together. I bet they share together. And I bet they watch what they do together. Let's be adults here. They try to honor God even in the physical arena. When me and Carmen started dating, it made my walk with God go higher, not lower. If, if you're in a dating situation or in relationships that pull you down or change you, you need to delete. Delete it. I'm telling you. Be with people that are going to push you up. Treat a distraction like you treat temptation. Look at um, 1 Timothy. Oh my gosh, where's time going today? Treat, 1 Timothy says, flee these things. Follow after righteousness and fight the good faith. If you want to be successful, do more of what matters and say no to the good and yes to the best and grow with your nose. I want to say that again. If you want to be successful, do more of what matters Say no to the good and yes to the best and grow with your nose. What do you mean by that? It's all right to say no. It's all right to say no to things. Okay? Number two, ask God to help you focus on what's really important. Guys, buckle in. We're going to go fast. The Bible says this. Set your gaze on the path before you with a, everybody say, fixed perfect, purpose. Fixed purpose. Looking, everybody say, straight ahead. I'm ignoring life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, the road that's safe and smooth before you. You know, Peter, when he walked on the water, he got out of the boat. But the minute that he saw the waves, or he heard the wind, he saw the waves, heard the wind, or felt the water climbing, he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. I felt the Lord say today that many of you are in storms of your life. That you've got out of the boat and you've served Jesus and you've given Jesus your all for many years. And you're like, why is this happening to me right now? I've been all in for God. And this storm's happening to me. I've, I've been out of the boat for God. Man, the waves are crawling up. Brothers and sisters, don't be distracted. Keep your purpose fixed. Don't look to the left or right. Look for that hand of Jesus reaching down to pick you up out of your storm today. 
focus, focus on focus on fixed purpose. Focus on God first living. The Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all this other stuff will be given to you. Guys, I want you to write some stuff down here because I want this to be things we practice and do. I want to challenge you. Focus on God first living. Write that down. Focus on God first living. Because you're never going to wonder, wonder on to what's right. You're never going to just stumble into effectiveness. You're never just going to fall in love with God or others. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be persuasive. The first of the day, when I, when I wake up, the very first thing is not checking my email. The very first thing is not rolling over and saying, honey, good morning. The very first words out of my mouth are, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's God first living. Set your mind when you first wake up in the morning. God, you're first today. The first of the week. You guys are practicing God first living because Sunday's the first day of the week. You're saying I'm honoring God by gathering in the house of the Lord and I'm aligning myself and preparing myself for a successful week. God first living is God first of the day. God first in your week, God first in the year. Guys, we're going on a 21-day fast, and we're, you're going to start hearing more about that. It starts January the 12th. It's a full church participation. It's not like you've got to be without food for 21 days. We do it in different, however God leads you. But we set our year with focused and fixed purpose and stepping stones so we don't waste another year. God first day, God first week coming to church, God first year, and then the last one is God first giving. Carmen and I, when we get paid, the very first thing, it's scriptural. Guys, this is scriptural, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. The very first thing that we pay is not our utilities, is not our credit card bill, is not our light bill. The very first thing that comes out of our checks because it's biblical and it's commanded of God to people of God is that you give the very first of your income to the Lord. In a church our size, we ran the, the books this week because we're at the end of the year. In a church our size, I don't look at what people give, but in a church our size, I, I think information is important. But in a church our size, for the units in our church, it means that the annual income for people that come to Church on the Rock is $6,200 a year. According to the amount of people that come and figuring out, I mean, that says that every household you make $6,200 a year. That can't be right. So that tells me that some are not practicing God first giving. That needs to be something, I remember when God started dealing with me and Carmen on that. In fact, I'll even challenge you on it. If you've never practiced God first giving, start practicing it, and if it doesn't change your finances, we'll return every bit to you. We'll give it all back to you. Because it's important to have your finances blessed of the Lord.
If you've heard, if you are, have been around Church on the Rock, ask people how many times I talk about money. Is it very much Church on the Rock? Is it very rare that Brian does that? It's very rare. But I can't hold that back because I believe it. I believe that we're to practice God first living with our day, God first giving with our week being at church, God first give, living with starting our year with the Lord, and God first, everybody say giving. Giving a tenth of what we earn back to the Lord. So that's how we focus on what's important. Focus on what's important. Number three is listen to God's voice. This scripture right here, the band you can come. This scripture right here, listen to God's voice. This Isaiah 30, 21, this one's new to me. This one's new to me. I don't know how I missed this because I've read the Bible over 20 times. But um, I, I, I've never seen this one. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, I love this imagery. You could do that. It's like this voice is behind you saying, you can do that or you can do this. But this is much better. If you want to walk that way, you can. But if I were you, I would walk this way. Sometimes the Holy Spirit would say, I wouldn't say that to your wife if I were you. And I go ahead and say it. And then he's like, I told you you shouldn't have said that. I mean, because it doesn't go like you think it should. But I love that. You could do this or you could do that. You could walk in this way. The sheep know the voice of your shepherd. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a voice. If you listen, God, come on, God has a voice. God has a voice and he can be right behind you where you're like, where'd that come from? Walk this way. Do that. God will speak, little lamb. Don't go there. Come over here. Lie down in green pastures. Come over to these quiet waters. Come where I can restore your soul. When you seek God, you will hear him. If you say, well, I've never heard God. I've never heard of God. You've got 66 books. And I'd start in the New Testament where God speaks to you. Open the word. And he'll always speak to you, I promise. Everybody write down SOAP, S-O-A-P, S-O-A-P. We have what we call here, S-O-A-P, when it comes to the word. We have scripture, and then O is observe, observe, observation. And A is application. And what's P? Prayer. Prayer or practice would be good too, Okay. He'll speak through the, you through the voice of the Spirit. That nudge, that guide behind you. He'll speak through you through people. A message. Hey, was anybody spoken to during that last song? If you were in a storm, how many said he'll be with you in the fire? How many will say that spoke to me, that song? I'm in a storm or I'm in a fire in that song. That's God speaking to you. It could be a song, it could be a podcast, a movie, scenery, scenery does it to me, circumstances, problems and challenges you could see God, what? You know where I saw God one of the biggest times in my life was when I was lonely, is when I saw him, 
Brothers and sisters, let's don't listen to the noise of this world and be distracted by those things that don't matter. And I end with this. Martha, Martha, you're so worried and upset and distracted about so many things. But few things really matter. Really only one thing. And Mary has found it. Woo! Mary has found it. How many has found that relationship with Jesus? How many have found that? How many says, I was lost, but I found that relationship? Amen. You may be sitting here today and you say, I haven't found that. Even my brother back here, there was probably a time right here at Church on the Rock that you found that. You found that. You found Christ. You know, God's voice is calling today. God's voice is calling. Some of you saying, be my child, be my son, be my daughter. There's a voice saying, quit going your way and going and chasing those things that don't matter. And God's voice is speaking and prompting you that what this preacher is saying is something that you need. If you're here today and you feel like that you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's real simple. We call it the ABCs. If you're here and you feel like you haven't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's A. It's just admit to God that you need him and that you are a sinner and that you're ready to turn to him. So if you're here and you want to develop a relationship with Jesus right now, just say, I admit that I need this relationship with Christ. I admit I'm a sinner, and I admit that I want to open my life to him. The second step is believe, B, ABCs, believe. Believe that Jesus is God's son. And that God sent Jesus to die on a cross to pay for our sins, the penalty of my sin. And my sins went on him, and he gave me his freedom or his righteousness. And then C, so it's admit, believe, and C is confess that you want Jesus to be your Savior. Right now where you're at, I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen, and that I'm searching, and that I need a Savior. And right now, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I accept Him into my heart. And see, I confess right now that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, and I confess and I say that I want to live for you from this day forward. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. I'm looking over here. Did anybody in this section say, I prayed that prayer for the first time today? Anybody over here or say, I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus in my heart? Anybody through here? I'm looking through here. Did anybody raise their hand and say, I prayed that prayer? Anybody here? I see that hand. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Anybody else say, I prayed that prayer today? Over here. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. As you stand to your feet today, 
If you prayed that prayer, our prayer team's going to be up here today. And if you need a change in your life, or you need healing in your life, or you need encouragement in your life, or you need some strength in your life, Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. This worship team is going to sing one more song, and then we're going to have a prayer of, of dismissal. Prayer team, come forward. As this song's being played, come forward and receive prayer, because Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer.